Welcome to the Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sophie Waters. And I'm Sarah Purnell. And this episode, we're looking at Belladonna by Adeline Grace. When Cigna's aunt dies, the last in a long line of her guardians who have died dramatically since the deaths of her parents and then her grandmother, she's shipped off to Thorngrove, her last relatives and final option for a home until she turns 20 and can claim her inheritance. Thorngrove is drowning in grief. With the matriarch of the house Lillian dead and her daughter following suit, Signa is visited by the spirit of Lillian as she communicates that her death was not as innocent as it seems and sets Signa on a path to uncover the truth before her daughter succumbs to the same fate. In order to solve the mystery, Signa must engage the help of the entity that has haunted her for her entire life, Death himself, and their connection and Signa's attraction to him is strengthening every day. I really enjoyed this and I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad for you. <laughs> I know you didn't love it, but it took me a while to warm up to it, and then it just it just clicked. Did it? Yeah, that which must is... be nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's three for three for you then <laughs> for the this season so far. Yeah, we'll talk more about this in a minute. But um, <laughs> sorry, I'm get getting carried in, away. <laughs> before we get stuck in, we do have trigger warnings for death, grief. Murder, terminal illness, body horror, blood, gore, alcohol, but also please do check out all the content warnings that are available on Storygraph. There are a lot for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, your... (laughs) Why did I forget how to say the word spoiler? Also, this is your spoiler warning. We will be talking about um, the novel in full, including the big twist at the end. So... um, Beware if you have not quite finished the book yet. Big twist. So big. Never saw that coming. Huge. Well, yeah, okay, fair. I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> if you are not already subscribed to our mailer, then we would love to have you. And you can find us at the darkacademicalsbookclub.substack.com where we have special content and fun exclusives for subscribers. So come on down. <laughs> it sounds like a, a Saturday night game show. Come on down. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> so why did we choose Belladonna? Why did we choose Belladonna? That is a good question. <laughs> I think it's one of those ones, again, it's it's popping up on more and more dark academia lists. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that I feel like the third book just got announced as well. And there was a big kind of like rush in people talking about it, wasn't it? It's the third one. Yeah. So there's Foxglove. Fox is... Yeah. yeah, it's just out, isn't it? I think so, just recently. And then the third one, I believe, is called Wisteria. Uh, I don't think there's a summary. I don't. I don't think so. Anyway, but yeah, book three coming out oh. next year. So, but. Belladonna is billed as a gothic fantasy dark academia novels. And, I mean, that's just catnip for us, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's such a perfect combo. And it's always, theoretically. And it's always interesting to see how YA works into claims of dark academia. Is it YA, though? I think it's billed as, I mean, it's questionable YA, but I think it is (laughs) 
billed as YA. I know. This, I think this is a bit like with Curious Tides that we had on the last episode. It's like yeah. one of those ones that's like, it definitely has crossover appeal for mm. sure, but I'm not entirely comfortable with it being marketed as YA. Yeah, because there was uh, some spice in there that... What's there? <laughs> well, I mean... Not TikTok spice, but for YA, it's spice. Yes, that's true. From a YA audience uh, perspective, there is definitely spice. I think oh, okay. for me, the the biggest kind of like uh, no no, I suppose, is that she's nineteen. Okay, yeah. So I guess she's in that. Um... And then she's twenty by the end of the book, so mm. she's a full adult by the time she's like yeah, in book two. I guess that's true. Okay, so in looking it up, it looks like Hodescape pu- um, publishes it. So they are a very crossover Yeah, uh, space. Red Rising. Yeah, Red Rising. which, yeah. by the way, I've just started reading Red Rising. Mm. I'm giving it another go because I Even feel left out. another book. There's another book. Another one. Yeah, I think it's There's the last one. It's the last one after Lightbringer, isn't it? I didn't realise it had Is been it? announced because it was all the fuss about Lightbringer. That. I thought Lightbringer was the last one, but no, I think it's like a th- the original three, and then there's another four book arc, and then I believe that's it so far. Anyway, right. who knows how long that'll last? <laughs> but... Yeah. Oh, do you remember what it's uh-huh. called? No. Oh, I want to know. <laughs> uh, so what would oh. that be? Book seven? Maybe. I feel like Red we've just gone. Gonna... Oh, we've just kind of gone on a on a hot escape uh, segue here, but. We have a little bit, haven't we? Sorry. <laughs> I just had to tell Sarah that I'm reading Red Rising because I tried to read it back when it came out and I DNF'd it and it makes her sad because <laughs> she loves it. I, so. like I have literally badgered you about this series mm-hmm. for pretty much the entire time that we've known each other. It only took me, you know, I don't even know how many years that is. A lot of years. <laughs> but I'm enjoying it a lot more this time than I was. Good. I'm still actively I'm reading it. I'm, at this point, I'm about 30% in. I'm planning on continuing the series. So Good. Because, I mean, Red Rising is good. But, like, books two and three. Whoa. Yeah, the things I've heard about Golden Sun. Yeah. Apparently there's a... a, a big cliffhanger at the end of golden sun oh that's gonna kill me so <laughs> always excited to have your heart broken by books you know mm. yeah anyway side note <laughs> <laughs> oh dear <clears throat> okay so our first trope of dark academia is always a higher education setting often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way no. Belladonna doesn't fit this at all. <laughs> no. So it's set at Thorn Grove, which is basically a big manor house. I don't know why, but I didn't realise this was historical until I started reading it. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I knew it was going to be like have a historical vibe, but I still can't place it properly. Is it? I, I feel like it's like a Bridgerton-esque, like alternate like timeline history setting do you know what i mean so like it's 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 kind of got the regency elements but not necessarily in our reality i'm sure there was a a date of like 1850 was mentioned at some point yeah 1800s feels about right yeah then also there are some things that feel a bit off for that time period too but 
Yeah, it feels like a melting pot, doesn't it, really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've just written the review for this, for um, the blog. You'll be glad to know. Um, (laughs) But I, I think I called it, I think I called it the series of unfortunate events for adults mixed with Bridgerton without the spice. I think that works. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that totally works <laughs> with some supernatural elements <laughs> yeah which I guess actually a series of unfortunate facts covers that doesn't it but, but yeah. yeah there's no higher education setting I suppose it's got it's still a no but it does have the still the same atmosphere that a higher mm-hmm. education setting has because she's obviously secluded in this elite uh, environment that most people couldn't even dream of having access to mm-hmm. um, and I suppose she is sort of studying because they're trying to get to the bottom of this mystery, murder mystery so yeah, and she's studying how to be a woman of society isn't she, where she yeah. has her lessons with the governess yeah. um, but that's a very different um, education to what we usually look yeah. at <laughs> There's generally not much walking around with books on your head in um no <laughs> at university. But yeah, no. so it's a no on that one. And I think mm. it's also pretty much a no for secret societies for me. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it has to be a no, but again I can see how people could kind of like uh relate it to that secret society element because mm. it's like she is like the outsider looking in on a world that she desperately wants to be part of um because i mean she kind of waxes lyrical quite often about how she can't you know she she can't wait to join society and she Mm. can't wait to like have a debut and then be uh courted by a gentleman and you know so she she wants to be part of that but i think obviously there's a big part of her that knows that she won't ever have that yeah it's almost like a fantasy world her isn't it is that like yeah is that ongoing daydream that she uses to comfort herself with yeah and i guess that fits because i think a lot of like upper crust upper class society especially you know throughout the victorian period and the regency era it has all of the standard trappings of a secret society doesn't it yeah you can easily extrapolate it out like that i think but in the Mm. traditional dark academia sense it's a no. It's a no. There is old, old gothic, gothic architecture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so old yeah. go- gothic architecture, architecture even, is definitely a yes. Yeah. Thorngrove is gothic, isn't it? <laughs> like it yeah. is the most gothic. Yeah, definitely. I think it's very, uh, it, it's very reminiscent of all those kind of classic novel. Mm-hmm gothic novels where the there's there's something in the house you know it's yeah. something about the house or something in the house like definitely yeah i mean it's literally haunted yeah literally haunted <laughs> there's like a secret walled off garden in the grounds there's um a floor that she's told not to go on there's secret tunnels it's it's got it all yeah i i did have some issues with the actual layout the geography of this place in that how 
she suddenly becomes aware, like, however long she's been there, that there's a library. And she's like, where is it? Like, how do you not know where the... How big is this place <laughs> that you don't know where the library is? But I guess if her, her movements are restricted in the house and everything's closed off and... Yeah. But that is quite a big thing to miss, especially when we actually see the library. Yeah, exactly. And it's not it's not the box room. <laughs> and then... Yeah, just the fact that how far away is this ward garden that she's literally galloping for mm, like what twenty feels minutes like forever? Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know the geography. The geography of it really, really bothered me. But I liked the the like the atmosphere of it mm-hmm. all and the like the gothicness and the it yeah. was all very eerie and dark. And I was into that. It's very vivid, isn't it? You can so yeah. clearly picture it. But practically, it wasn't working for me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that might be a theme (laughs) with this book. (laughs) (laughs) So next up, we have a preoccupation with classical studies, Latin, Greek, literature and philosophy. No. Mm, No. (laughs) I mean, you can almost kind of, there's that, the link to like the poisons and botany and the uh apothecary what is the word i'm looking for uh i don't know <laughs> i don't know it's not there <laughs> it's um oh it's not homeopathy it's the it's, it's the, the other, other one, one. <laughs> what is it that's the one at least you know um, what i mean I do. I know what you mean. It's the study of plants, basically, <laughs> yeah. and their properties. For med- um, medical purposes. And... Yeah. Yeah, because she obviously trawls through all the books in the library. She goes to the apothecary. I found it really interesting, actually, where it's, it has to be all cloak and dagger. Cloak and dagger going to the apothecary. That struck me as just really funny. <laughs> A little bit out of place. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, I think there could have been a million and one reasons why they were going to the apothecary for one. But also, I don't fully understand why she couldn't have just gone to the apothecary and said, I need a cure for Belladonna, because the apothecary is going to know what she wants this for. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? So she could have just saved herself some trouble here. (laughs) Didn't have to find the secret library. She could have just gone to the apothecary and said, I need a cure for this. And the apothecary might have gone, mm, that's a bit weird. And then they just push another like coin her way and then it would have been fine. Yeah, it was definitely a, an odd move, but I guess it's all atmosphere building, isn't it? Yeah. It's just yeah. potentially a little bit clunky in execution. I think, yeah, I don't know why. Like, There are some books that I am willing to oversee anything. Right, I will say that as much as we kind of wailed on Gothicana quite a lot in the last season, I was so willing to just let it all be and enjoy the read, whereas for some reason I just couldn't let go with Belladonna at all. See, I was the other way round. I really struggled with Gothicana, and every time something stupid happened, which was really freaking frequently, I got annoyed, whereas with Belladonna I was like, I'm just here for the ride. (laughs) <laughs> so that's quite interesting <laughs> yeah it did take me a while to warm up to it though it took me a good 100 150 pages to get into that headspace 
Yeah, I mean, by the time I got to like the last, like once I was into the last like twenty percent, like you couldn't have taken that book out of my hands if you'd have tried. But (laughs) but if I was reading it not for the podcast, I don't know if I'd have actually even finished it. Interesting. Hmm. I think I think I definitely. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I'd have got to the point where I started enjoying it actually. I've become quite ruthless with DNFing. <laughs> yeah. I think because we read so much of the podcast and not all of it is like active enjoyment. When I'm reading for myself, I'm like, nah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't want it, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> One thing that this book does have is murder. Oh, yeah. There's a decent amount of murder, isn't there? <laughs> Attempted murder. Yeah. Murder um, all over I... the shop. I mean, I don't fully understand the motivations and also how... So, okay, here's your spoiler warning because this is one of the big spoilers here. Um, Please click off this if you really don't want to be spoiled. It'll literally ruin the last chunk of the book. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm saying it now. Percy did it. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't fully understand the motivations at all. And I know that it was the wrong person, but I still don't understand. I don't understand why he carried it through. Like Exactly. Like if if you accidentally poison the wrong person, you just stop. <laughs> like <laughs> especially because it wasn't like a an initial lethal dose. Yeah. You just stop. Just stop, Percy. <laughs> Even more than that, I don't understand why he then moved on to Blythe. No, I also that don't was my biggest why issue. He also didn't just try and finish the job that he started. So, why Blythe and not Marjorie? Yeah, that I was a bit like, mm? but it all happened so quickly. <laughs> um, that kind of like whole. He's just suddenly reveal. stood in that stood in that garden trying to set it on fire which by the way how is it made out of hay um <laughs> i guess I just, it's, it's and, winter so it's all like crispy i, I don't know maybe even though it had been snowing so it'd be wet yeah but whatever <laughs> whatever just enjoy the ride stop questioning it i will question however so i'm not i'm not an aficionado when it comes to poisons but <laughs> that's reassuring <laughs> they figured out obviously that Blythe uh, is being poisoned by Belladonna so she mm-hmm. kind of tries to stop anything entering the room without her like tasting it or sniffing it or whatever I don't understand how if someone has been systematically poisoned over a long period of time getting an antidote that essentially makes you throw up is not going to make you better it's already in your bloodstream yeah it would have affected your organs. It would have affected your brain. It, it would be everywhere, yeah. wouldn't it? It would be... You are stuffed. <laughs> yeah. I... Unless you had like a... Would that even be possible? Like a blood transfusion? I don't know. Mm. But obviously yeah, not in the 1850s. Possible. No. I would assume. No. Again, I'm not 100% on Victorian medical Victorian medical practices. No, I think I think that came around from World War One. that kind of oh, thing. Oh, okay. So. Um. yeah so that again that was another thing I was like no I know what you're going for but like 
in practice, I don't think that would have made much of a difference. And then for Percy to also then take it himself, like he literally could have died. Like I know again, it's we're talking the 1800s and there wasn't still wasn't like a full understanding of how the science of poisons worked in the body. But that was bloody risky. Mm hmm. And he clearly knew that it did things because he'd successfully poisoned his sister and killed yeah. his mum. Well, and, kind of mum. And also just gambling on the fact that his cousin was going to do the nice thing. Because <laughs> she could have gone, well, actually, I need this for Blythe, so sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the thing that irked me most about the whole poison thing was the fact that Signa chose not to tell anyone. When she figured it out, I don't really understand. I still don't understand why keeping it to herself to find the murderer was a better option than kind of exposing it so it could be stopped right away and not that she would continue to be poisoned. Yeah. And well, I mean, I get if she'd have kept it literally to herself that sort of would have made sense because obviously you don't want to don't want to accidentally like let the murderer in on it and then they instead of poisoning they turn to something else or whatever so mm. so maybe she was trying to catch catch them at it but she told Percy yeah so she literally told the guy doing it <laughs> but also like tell the tell Elijah like he's literally the master of the house yeah. He's the one that could literally lock everyone in a room and interrogate them until he finds out what's going on, you know? Yeah, and out of everyone, it's clearly not Elijah. Exactly, like, like <laughs> he is a mess of a man. He couldn't be oh, more innocent. Elijah. He couldn't be more innocent in that situation. Oh, poor Elijah. I know. <laughs> poor dude. I was really shocked, when, like, at the beginning of the novel from, like... I, I, I didn't expect him to be this person, like, sitting in the middle of um, a party with a woman in his lap. And just, like, dancing on a table, like... Wee! Yeah, I was like... What? <laughs> I, don't know, I was like, what what book have I just walked into? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what I was anticipating. And then we got the depressed version. I was like, okay, this is what I was expecting. I think Elijah was the MVP of this book, really. Because by the end, he's like the doting father that we're just yeah. kind of... Obviously, that we'd missed, like... Yeah. yeah, he was great. He was a really <laughs> strong character. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there is murder in spades in this. As a whole lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> some successful, <laughs> some not so successful. Yeah. Um, a dark, moody and or haunting vibe. Yeah. I feel like it delivers on the vibe. Do you? Not the vibe, but... <laughs> a vibe. A vibe. I think it's... It's very atmospheric. It is very moody. It's mm. dark and eerie. There's that kind of sense of threat and foreboding. Yeah. I think it's very compelling in the atmosphere that it creates. It is it doesn't feel like dark academia. It feels gothic to me. Yeah. I mean, I did I it was definitely consistent as well, which mm. I thought was really good. I guess because we never really leave the house or the grounds and that's kind of where where it's all tied up in, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. 
But yeah, I thought it was really strong and really well done in the atmosphere department. Mm. I'm not so sure about hero worship of a particular figure or author, though. No. I mean, for Elijah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. He worshipped Lillian, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. And I suppose to a point Percy did, I guess. Yeah. Because that's sort of kind of why he felt the need to have to actually murder his own mother so kind so that she couldn't kind of expose that Lillian wasn't his mother and then I don't know what that would have achieved, but Yeah, I don't know. Because for all intents and purposes, Marjorie has no claim to anything. If she'd have been like, That's my son they could have just been like, what are you on about? Get out. Yeah, it's not like they had DNA testing, is it? <laughs> no, they could have just like brushed it all like under the rug, couldn't they? Mm. Easily. Paid her off? Yeah, anything. Yeah, it wouldn't have gone any Often, further. if they had to. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, did... it didn't feel like a, a particularly present threat. No. Even once we learned about it. Because the character... Go on, sorry. I was just going to say, Percy's main gripe seems to be like, ugh, she might want a relationship with me. (laughs) Such (laughs) a teenage boy, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's... Is he a bit older than uh, Mm. Cigna? But not much. Yes. Not much, No, I think he's like 21 or something. Yeah. Old enough to inherit, basically. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not sure just fell down. Oh no! Oh. Well, that's very Percy. sad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Percy. Sounds like a petty revenge that he would <laughs> undertake. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't think it really fits. I think maybe there is. I don't think it's actually no. I've changed my mind. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe there was an element of that with. Um, Signa and Blythe but I think that's more just like a longing yeah for friendship and for a companion I guess rather than anything else so yeah, yeah. I, res- I rescind that statement I changed my mind <laughs> when it comes to old money which will collide with new money or no money everyone's rich everyone is rich everybody's rich <laughs> so it's not really an issue at all even with no. um, Signa kind of having to wait for her inheritance, yeah, she's still given a stipend, even though maybe she doesn't receive as much of it as she should. And from the you know family member stealing it, essentially, we don't yeah. know her during those times. No, we no. only know I her mean, as rich. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's. Yeah, she's she's only without because uh, the her guardians have kind of like kept her out rather than her actually not having any money or any means. Mm. I did find it interesting though that even though she doesn't have that money at her fingertips just yet, she's still able to use it as a tool for power and control. You know, yeah. it's how it's how she gets Silas to to help her. It's like, if you, well, uh, that's how it appears (laughs) at the beginning. 
Um, because that was silly. I quite enjoyed then, it. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I mean, I... Okay, well, let's... Okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing the Silas talk now. Okay, go. I enjoyed Silas as a character on his own. He didn't need to be death. It didn't need to happen. And I saw it coming. I saw it coming for about 40% of the book. And I was like, don't do this. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. Nope, we're doing it. Okay, good. (laughs) See, I must be really unobservant because I did not see it coming. (laughs) And I love a personification of death. Like, I love it so much that the mailer for this book is dedicated to the personification of death. Mm. Because I love it that much. And I was really pleased that <laughs> it it took out the love triangle. Or the I wanted the love triangle. <laughs> I wanted Signa to be conflicted. I didn't want her to be lusting over a concept. Like I just I <laughs> I just really struggle with the fact that he is death personified. Mm-hmm. He's however as old as time mm-hmm. preying on a vulnerable young person like stop it she's had no experience with men or anybody at all she's 19 so she's not even like technically an adult in the in the sense that she can't like inherit her money or whatever mm-hmm. like and it's just this whole i have been waiting for you nonsense that what does he have to offer other than he goes you've got powers and she goes great why don't, don't why does she have powers don't forget that he's really hot he's really hot <laughs> like when you look at it like that okay fine maybe it's gross but i was completely <laughs> suckered <laughs> he was just a bit too david bowie does labyrinth for me it was just a little bit like i think i don't have any I don't have any qualms with this kind of dynamic. I think my main issue comes from what we touched upon right at the beginning in that it straddles this kind of grey area of who it's targeting. Right. So if it was full adult and it went proper in with it, I would have been all in too. But because it kind of keeps pulling it back and keeps it kind of chased almost, I was like, ugh. I think that made it creepier i found the amount of neck kissing creepy <laughs> um i don't know i just i either wanted it to go full frontal right or not at all okay yeah i get you <laughs> i did i didn't really have an issue with it normally i find i find age gaps and big age gaps i'm talking like when you get to like 20 years that gives me the ick um especially when the man is older but when it comes to a supernatural being, it's like all of my issues just fall away. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I can totally get on board with it. But I think the problem, my problem is, is that we are personifying a concept, a concept. like a that then you're falling in love with. But also, he didn't put any, any legwork. He just appeared and was handsome, and she was like, "Yep, yeah, that'll do." Yeah. Like he doesn't try and woo her. <laughs> Just a there's, glass there's, of wooing, at least. <laughs> there's the masquerade ball. That was quite cool. That was cool. When he also... sweeps in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Enjoy dramatic sweep. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, but I just wanted, I just, I also just wanted Silas to be this separate entity, like this separate 
bit of conflict because she even says herself like she was kind of relieved that she she can lust after Silas too because <laughs> turns out he They're was death all along and I'm like yeah. I'm like no I wanted that conflict it was all too neat fair enough <laughs> I wanted it messier <laughs> you wanted romance and you wanted messy <laughs> yeah I wanted messy romance but I just I don't know I think that she throws away her life too quickly to death as well um again i can get on board with the craziest of concepts hey i've read ice planet barbarians okay <laughs> i just needed more um like more time deliberating i needed more persuasion i needed just needed more I think that's what I think that's what it comes down to is I needed more. I don't think that it was deep enough. That's fair. She did make that decision very quickly, didn't she? Yeah. And I think that further blurs the uncertainty about the age range and the target audience because that is a very young move, isn't it? Yeah. It's the it's the um Rory Lorelei thing of going, I'm not going to Chilton anymore because I fancy Dean. It's <laughs> It's that kind of teenage first love reaction, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Else can we get some justice for Blythe? Because, again, I think Blythe is one of the stronger characters in this book. And yet she just gets royally shafted. Well, it looks like actually Wisteria is about Blythe. Good. That makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, for all all of my um, moaning here, I'm still probably going to read Foxglove. Like I've already bought it. <laughs> <laughs> it's ninety nine p on Kindle. What do you expect me to do? Is it? Yeah. Okay, I'll be there. I think <laughs> because it. I think that's probably why I just get so like passionate about it because I can see the potential in it. Just, just please go there. <laughs> yeah, Take so, me there. Like, I know this is going on a little bit of a side note but it looks like from the summary for foxglove it looks like death has kind of taken a backseat and he's not around to that much and it's kind of Signa and Blythe you know solving okay. another mystery with fate in the game as like <coughs> that probably other... be really hot as well <laughs> they introduced <laughs> they introduced them at the end of Belladonna didn't they he walked in on like the very last paragraph or something, but I yeah. can't remember how fate I don't was know described. If he was, I don't know if he was described Bear in with. any great detail. Bear with. Thank God for the Kindle app. I mean, what would I do without <laughs> this thing? It's like the thing is right. Death isn't a supernatural being. Like just go back to thinking about age gaps and stuff. Mm. Like I'm happy for a vampire to be like 300 years older, yeah. a werewolf, like a. I don't know, a succubus, an incubus, a a ghoul, anything. <laughs> anything paranormal that you wish to romance, please romance. <laughs> but but death is just... It's almost like saying that you're in love with God. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just such an all-encompassing uh, thing. That, like, how is he then... How does he have a human form? Why is he a he? Um... Like, how does he have the time to be around her? Because the people are dying. Like, they literally drop like flies. That's just, that is the way of the world. People in, people out. Yeah. Uh, just, 
Yeah. Also, I already solved how they can be together because you know, obviously, like the only reason they could see each other every day was because Blythe was on like the edge of death. And I don't mean no, right. let's go murder, let's go murder <laughs> Blythe, but. All she has to do is go find some OAP to hang around. This is true. Like she could, she could just become a caretaker for some elderly person. There are Boom. definitely ways around it. You are right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> As you were. <laughs> I found uh, the dis- it's a very brief description of um, fate. A young man with deep bronze skin and eyes of melted gold. Mm. So it's yeah, it's going to be hot again. Yep. And also, your note about death. I see him very much in the vein of Hades and in the way that Hades is personified. Obviously, he is a person, a character in mythology, but he's also an entity. Mm. I I kind of see them on the same page in the way of a retelling, if that makes sense. Yeah. That takes away kind of my ick about the conceptualness of death. Mm. it's more I, like he is a the ferryman the the grim reaper if you wish even though i think yeah, that's but, slightly different yeah because the thing is hades hades is just he oversees whereas <laughs> whereas like this version of death seems to just appear when people are dying and take them not all of them like he says it doesn't mm. have to be there but he is there for some of them um I don't know. Also, yeah. interestingly, that you said about Hades, because instantly, like, as soon as we were talking about, like, in, in the book, like, Belladonna berries and stuff like that, and, like, they're obviously, like, they, they're crimson when you chew them, and I was like, Hades and Persephone. Yeah. It's a Hades and Persephone story. And then again, I was like, ick, because the obviously the original mythology of that is a bit It's gross, yeah. <laughs> but I love a retelling. Love a oh, romance me too. retelling. Me too, 100%, but, yeah. Girl Goddess Queen by B. Fitzgerald. One of my favourite books of 2023. <laughs> but that is a big side note. <laughs> I think... I just think there were a lot of areas that could have been expanded on in there and, and it missed a trick. Fair enough. And I guess the... <laughs> the kind of clearing up of the age bracket would solve so many of those issues by kind of leaning into one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. Essentially. Yeah. So normally I'd be like a big proponent of a crossover. I usually like the way they fall. Mm. But it seems that actually at the moment it's causing more issues than not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, especially when we're thinking in terms of dark academia, I mm. think you kind of have to have your foot firmly one side or the other because it kind of defines how you explore like themes of murder and like your dark moody and haunting vibe even even like old money and new money like it changes all those dynamics which you can still have but if you're kind of in the middle it makes it a lot trickier yeah it makes it a bit wishy-washy doesn't it Mm. pardon me something that i don't think was wishy-washy was the weather as a literary device i think that was actually used quite strongly yeah (laughs) <laughs> you don't sound massively convinced i just can't remember any weather it snowed a bit there's lots of rain it's freezing cold Sir? yeah Is it? <laughs> unless i just didn't read the same book unless i just put that like... in myself <laughs> i don't know obviously most of the action takes inside <laughs> take yeah takes place inside thorn grove but whenever we go out there is something is happening that makes 
Signa being outside, a struggle or something to battle or something Yeah, I mean, it's clearly not, it's not a warm summer's day. No. Well, we're in the lead up to Christmas, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think it did anything special on its own. I think it just helped compound the atmosphere that was already there. And it helped yeah. the the eeriness of the setting and things like that. Especially when they were going yeah. out to the gardens and on the horses and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not acting alone. No. Then finally, we have underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider um she's definitely an outsider yeah i think she very quickly becomes like uh she quickly integrates i think yeah Uh, yeah yeah she becomes a member of the family very quickly doesn't she yeah i mean she becomes central to saving their lives like yeah <laughs> you can't ingratiate yourself much quicker than saving someone's life really no i think i mean where it becomes clear just kind of like how maybe she still hasn't kind of developed socially is when she's with other people from society so not necessarily the people mm. at, at thorn grove but like when she's with the, the the girls for example or when they go to for tea, don't they? Because they bump oh, into them outside yeah. the apothecary and she's worrying that she's eating the wrong things or picking up the wrong spoons or what have you. Mm. Um, and it, I mean, yeah. So I think in that sense, she is underdeveloped. And I suppose that's why she's also kind of having these lessons in becoming a lady. <laughs> because by society standards, she's not doesn't have the social skills but i think generally her as a person she's fine yeah she seems to get along with everyone she's even if it exhausts her or she finds it difficult it doesn't appear to be a challenge on the outside kind of thing she's good at faking it (laughs) yeah i i really wish there was some more development with her friend charlotte charlotte felt like such a throwaway character she just seemed to be useful to be uh in the woods mm. at that convenient time why was she in the woods so where does she live isn't it like a neighboring property and she was collecting tree bark for her dad's yeah arthritis so by neighboring property we're talking like sense and sensibility oh, yeah. lives yeah, over yeah. there that kind of neighboring yeah. but i don't mean like the flat next door to me <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> It's still quite a way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt like there was so much build-up and so much, like, laying groundwork for this big betrayal of losing Charlotte's friendship. Yeah. That I felt like it was just a bit underwhelming when they finally did talk again after that, like, shock meeting. Yeah. There was no, like, there could have been a big blow-up. There could have been a big heart-to-heart. There could have been a shady... I've never met you before in my life. Mm. There were lots of opportunities for something more significant to occur between them. Yeah. Whereas it was very downplayed, I think. We just kind of get got like, you're right, mate? Yeah, you. Yeah. There was no <laughs> kind of like digging up of like the emotional, you abandoned me, bitch. Kind yeah. of, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that would have been nice. And it would have given a little bit more uh, 
of a depth to Signa, I think. Yeah. Knowing that she had relationships, like close relationships outside of those that she's formed in Thorngrove and with death, really. And also, poor Charlotte, because she quite clearly was... Charlotte Lucas? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but she quite clearly was courting Percy. I don't know how else to put it. (laughs) We don't know enough to know if it was genuine or whatever you, but... Mm. You know, <laughs> and nobody's saying that he's died. It's just like he's just gone away, and she's like, "Okay." <laughs> Can you imagine? Imagine turning around and going. So turns out he <laughs> murdered his mum, started trying to murder Blythe, so I got him killed instead. Hope that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but they could have said anything. Like yeah. he succumbed to the same illness, because like or something. I don't know. Because they obviously He's saw joined him, the everyone, navy. <laughs> well, everyone saw him like almost like bleed out of his face at the yeah. That's true. The ball that could have been an easy like oh that came back. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> mystery bleeding. <laughs> this mystery bleeding and vomiting came back, and he just he went. It was the most dramatic way to make himself do that. He really put himself in the spotlight. He did, didn't he? Such an attention whore. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to murder two people wasn't enough for him. I also don't know why he was so obsessed with taking over the gentleman's club. Like, really obsessed. Like, calm down. It's, it seems like that very aristocratic uh, male entitlement. It just seemed like that. But that felt out of place because of because of how Blythe was, because of what we saw of Lillian, because Elijah, mm. like none of those personality traits fit in into how he would have been brought up. I know obviously personality of parents doesn't guarantee the pers- personality of a child, but <laughs> it, it didn't feel anchored in in a reality for him if that makes any sense yeah yeah Mm. but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you have any other other further thoughts no i think i've kind of ticked off my my other points as as we've gone along really Mm. so i guess it's time to ask if it's dark academia no no it's i will happily give it the gothic title yeah oh it's gothic yeah Yeah. but it's it's sadly not dark academia another false claim from these publishers what are they doing (laughs) stop it (laughs) so next up we're gonna have our dark academia adjacent title for this season so we will be looking at Prep by Curtis Sittenfeld. Lee Fiora is an intelligent, observant 14-year-old when her father drops her off in front of her dorm at the prestigious Alt School in Massachusetts. She leaves her animated, affectionate family in South Bend, Indiana, at least in part because of the boarding school's glossy brochure, in which boys in sweaters chat in front of old brick buildings, girls in kilts hold lacrosse sticks on pristinely mown athletic fields, and everyone sings hymns in chapel. As Lee soon learns, Alt is a cloistered world of jaded, attractive teenagers who spend summers on Nantucket and speak in their own clever shorthand. 
Both intimidated and fascinated by her classmates, Lee becomes a shrewd observer of, and ultimately a participant in, their rituals and more. As a scholarship student, she constantly feels like an outsider and is both drawn to and repelled by other loners. By the time she's a senior, Lee has created a hard-won place for herself at Alt. But when her behaviour takes a self-destructive and highly public turn, her carefully crafted identity within the community is shattered. Ultimately, Lee's experiences, complicated relationships with teachers, intense friendships with other girls and all-consuming preoccupation with a classmate who is less than a boyfriend and more than a crush, conflicts conflicts with her parents, from whom Lee feels increasingly distant, coalesce into a singular portrait of the painful and thrilling adolescence universal to us all. Oh, that's a big old that summary. That is such a long summary. <laughs> so, yes, this is our um, Dark Academia adjacent title. And it is a kind of a bit of a cult classic campus novel. And I first read this, um, I think it was about 15 years ago. Because um, I got Goodreads in 2009 and it's not on my Goodreads. <laughs> so it was a while ago and I haven't read it since and Sarah has not read it at all so that is what we will be looking at next time do you have anything else to say no no um what I will say is this please also if you are not signed up to our mailer again please consider subscribing you can find us at the dark academicals book we would love to have you Come on down, as I said earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Full Saturday night 90s game show vibes in that. Mm. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Bye. Bye.